Well, as Pastor Edgar mentioned earlier, the Lord has been talking to me a lot about prayer. I had the privilege to go to a prayer conference just a couple weeks ago, and there are no words to describe. God met with us there. And these were the old-time prayer meetings. Some of you remember them where you got on your knees, you got on your face before God, literally laying on the floor before him. And God met with us while we were there. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, we were there in church about 11, 12, 13 hours, long days. And you came home, and it was just such a good, tired, <laughs> you know, you're worn out. Prayer is hard work. It, it's not easy when you really get before the Lord and you really travail before him. And, I mean, these are the kind of prayer meetings we used to have back when I was a teenager in our teen group at church. And it was just such a blessing to me, and I just haven't been able to get prayer off my mind ever since. Because, you know, we, we talk about prayer, and some people kind of are afraid of prayer. It's like, well, I, I don't really know how to do it. Well, there is no way. There are no rules on prayer. You read through the scripture, there's no rules other than that we are carrying on a conversation with our Heavenly Father. And... Um, you know, I was, I, it's not one-sided, though. That's one thing we've got to remember. We, it's just not us doing all the talking. We've got to remember to listen. I know I have a girlfriend in Kentucky. She lives down there, and she and I have been friends for almost 40 years now. And every time we get together, it's just like we pick up right where we left off in the last conversation, and we can talk for two hours on the telephone. And I'm not a telephone talker, but with Barb, I can do that. <laughs> and we catch up on all the news of each of our, our families. And we, you know, we just... Um, kind of mentor one another. How are you doing spiritually? What's, what are you doing for the Lord? What's going on here? What's going on with your children? Um, and the Lord just has kept us close friends for all these many years. But if we got on the phone and I did all the talking for two hours, I don't think she'd ever call me again. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame her. But, you know, that's the way it is with God. When we go to prayer, we can't just do all the talking. We have to take time to listen and let him speak to us. Because he has something to say. He has words for us. And you know, when we go to prayer, the scripture tells us that we're to go in faith believing. And James 1.6 says that we are to ask in faith believing. In other words, we don't just go to prayer and, well, I did my routine for the day. Lord, I hope you're happy with me. But we are to go to prayer believing that what we have asked for, God will hear our prayers and that he will answer our prayers. And um, I'm going to look at some scriptures, and some they may have on the screens, and some they may not. But in 2 Kings chapter 13, I wanted to look at a scripture here of Elijah, verses 14 through 19. When Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash the king of Israel came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, take bow and arrows, and he did so. And I'm reading, I'll, I'll read off the screen. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans of Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. 
The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And here as um, the king went in to see Elisha, he had heard that Elisha was so sick, and this was actually the illness that he did die from. And he heard that he was sick, and so he went in to him, and um, he, he was feeling very bad. You know, he thought, you know, here, the, the wisdom of Israel is going to depart. He's going to be gone. And so the king takes him over and has him shoot out the window. And as he shot out the window, he said, this is a sign of the victory God's going to give you over the Arameans. He had him shoot out that window towards the east. But then he told him to take up the arrows and told him to strike them on the ground. And he took the arrows and he struck three times and he stopped. Now, I know that he didn't know probably any more than you or I did how many times he wanted him to do it. But God really wanted him to just strike and strike and strike until he felt like he'd struck as many as, as, as he could. And as you look in the scripture verse there in, in verse 17, he said um, he wanted him to strike until you have destroyed them. This is what he said when he shot the arrow. But then in verse 19, he said, if you would have struck five or six times, he said you would have destroyed them. So now he realizes it's not going to happen. He only, just, he only went against them and won three times. He didn't go all the way. He didn't get the complete victory because he didn't really put himself, put God out there on the line and say, Lord, I'm asking big of you. I really want you to do something in, my, in the life of the Israelites here. God is a big God, and he wants us to ask big things of him. And I don't think there is anything that you or I could ask that would be too big for God to do. But we as a church tend to come along, and we have our little piddly prayers, and Lord, bless so-and-so, and bless so-and-so, and give us a good night's sleep, and take care of us tomorrow. Keep us all safe today. And we go our merry way, and we're satisfied that we've been on our knees. But God wants to do so much more for us. He wants us to get out there. He wants us to get on our knees. And he wants us to pray until we have prayed through and we have touched heaven. And we know that God has heard the prayers that have come out of our mouths. And that we haven't just said a few nice little words. But we have gotten on our knees and we have really prayed. And I think the story of Elijah over there in 1 Kings chapter 18. Here is one man who went up against 450 prophets. How many of us would be willing to do that? And these weren't just any prophets. These were the prophets of Baal. They were the queen's prize possession. She loved those prophets because they were the prophets that were out there um, helping her people worship these idols. And here's Elisha, one guy over here. And at that point, he didn't even know that there were still 7,000 Israelites who hadn't bowed their knee to Baal yet. But he says, okay, he says, we're going to have a challenge and we're going to prove whose God is right. He says, you build up your altar and he says, you get out there and you pray. And whosoever God sends fire down from heaven, that will be the God that we'll worship. So these, the, the prophets of Baal, they built their altar up and they got out there and they started dancing around and doing their thing and praying to their God and, and hollering and screaming, have you gone on vacation? Where are you? You know, where's our God at? They prayed all day, all day. 
And then it became Elisha's turn finally. It was getting along towards evening, and Elisha felt that he needed a chance here to to get in, in on the action. So Elisha had them build him an altar. Took 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. They slaughtered the ox and they put it on there. But Elisha wasn't satisfied with that. He said, now I want you to go and I want you to get 12 barrels of water and I want you to pour that water over there. Now, the reason he did that was oftentimes the the prophets of Baal would dig little holes down in the ground and put fires down underneath. And then as, as they were singing and dancing, the fire would begin to grow and it would come up. And so the people thought that it was magical. But Elisha knew that if he filled all the trenches, he filled everything with water, there would be no way that anybody could question him when God answered his prayer. And so he, everything was soaking wet. And you and I all know you don't fire, start a fire with any wood that's soaking wet and with a sacrifice that's soaking wet. And then Elisha went to prayer. Short little prayer. He said, Oh, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And it didn't burn from the bottom up. No, 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 no. It burned from the top down just like he said it would. It burned the sacrifice. And then it burned the rocks. Now, how many of you burned rocks before? I've never been successful with that. And it burned the water, and it burned the dirt that was down there, and it consumed that altar. And the people began to shout, the Lord our God is our God. Him is we will serve. He had proved his God true. And, you know, we are still serving the same God. And he still wants us to prove him true, to let people know that he does answer prayer. Now, there are times when we pray and God comes along and he answers immediately. You know, we think of the story of Daniel in the lion's den. They told Daniel, if you pray and you talk to God, people were saying you were going to be punished and thrown in the lion's den. Did Daniel go home and get behind the corner and pray? No. He went home, he opened his windows towards the east, and he did, the scripture says, exactly what he had been doing. He didn't change his plan. He made up his mind, if I'm thrown in the lion's den, so be it. I am going to serve my God. And he went to prayer. And he prayed faithfully. And, of course, you know the story. They came, they got him, they took him, they threw him in the lion's den. They threw him in the lion's den. And Daniel didn't have time in the lion's den to travail for three days. (laughs) He needed an instantaneous answer. And God was faithful. He was there. Why? Because Daniel had already done the background work. Daniel had already been on his knees faithfully. He was up to date in his prayer life. And God was there to meet him at the point of need. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. God was there to meet them. Why? Because they had proved him faithful day after day in their walk up to that time. Now, there's times when we go to prayer that God doesn't give us the answer immediately. 
Sometimes we have to wait. We think of the story of Joseph in prison. He was, in, he was in prison and the butler and the baker are thrown in there and they have dreams that they have had and they don't know the meaning of the dreams. And God gives Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams. And so when the butler is to go before the king, Joseph says, now remember me to the king. And the butler forgot for two years. God didn't come to his aid immediately. But God remembered him because he was faithful. And two years later, God came and and delivered him from the prison and and used Joseph in a mighty way to save the nation of Israel. And God wants us to pray faithfully even in trouble. As I mentioned in the story of Daniel, day in and day out, no matter what comes upon us, we are to pray faithfully. You know, we think of Esther and Mordecai. For three days they fasted and they prayed to save the nation, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And God heard those prayers because they came to him faithfully day after day. We think of the, the apostles in the New Testament. After the day, after Jesus ascended into heaven, they went to the upper room and they tarried in prayer for 120 days. And when God came, he literally fell on them with tongues of fire. And he changed them. No longer was Peter the weak little guy over here denying Christ. Peter was willing to go out and preach to the crowds. He was willing to tell them what his God could do. And 3,000 came to the Lord. Because he let God change him and he let God use him. And he had spent time in prayer. And we think of the story of Elijah, who God told him to pray that it wouldn't rain. And so he prayed. And for three and a half years, they didn't have any rain. And then after everything took place with the prophets of Baal, the Lord told him to go pray for rain. And he went out there, and the Bible says that he got on his face, down with his face between his knees. It's not an easy position to get in. I've tried it. (laughs) But that's how he got. He got down before God. And he went to prayer. And he had to send, he sent his servant. He said, now go look for a rain cloud. Servant went, looked, came back. Six times he sent him out there and didn't see a thing. The seventh time he went out there, he saw a little hand about this, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Now, is that a lot to go on? That's all it took for Elisha because he knew because he had been in the secret closet, he'd been alone with God, he'd been praying, he'd been seeking God. He knew that God was going to hear and answer his prayer. And so he said, come on, let's go. And he jumped up and he began running. He stopped and told Ahab, the Lord send in rain. And he took off running back to the city. And the rain came. Because he had been faithful in his prayer life. You know, we talk about revival here at Grace Point, And I don't think there's a soul in here that wouldn't like to see God really come and pour out his spirit and move in on us. But it's not going to happen unless we pay the price. If we want revival, if we want God to come, we're going to have to get on our faces and we're going to have to spend time alone with him. We're going to have to pray until he comes down and he pours his spirit out on us. 
And I wonder tonight how many of you, if, if you had to, to take your prayer life and on a scale of 1 to 10, and 10 was the best and 1 was the worst, where would it be on that scale? And I'm not talking just to you. It's something I've been you know, examining my own heart. I don't want to be a weak Christian who doesn't know how to pray, who doesn't spend time alone with the Lord. And, you know, Satan comes along and he tries to get us so busy. And everything looks good. And I'm working for the Lord. I'm doing what he wants me to do. But what he really wants more than anything else is us to spend time with him. He wants us to spend time until we know him on such an intimate basis. That we can go to him in any moment of our lives and he's going to hear our prayers and he's going to answer them and he's going to come down from heaven and he's going to meet our needs. How many of you have children and grandchildren that don't know the Lord? How many of you have a neighbor, a loved one, somebody that doesn't know the Lord? You know, God not only wants us to pray for them, sometimes we literally have to stand in the gap. We have to stand in the gap for them. And over in Ezekiel chapter 22, 30, it says, And I searched for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Does that do something to you? I don't want to be no one. I don't want to have to stand before the judgment and have one of my loved ones be lost because I failed to stand in the gap. Because I failed to spend the time on my knees praying for them until they had Holy Ghost conviction come down upon them and God spoke to their heart and they came to him. My challenge to you is tonight, are you willing to go deeper in your prayer life? Are you willing to let God come and move in your life and help you that you'll spend more time with him? I don't know about you, but that's my desire. I want to know Jesus. I want to be used of him. I want to be in a place where he can use me and where he's going to hear my prayers. And so as Pastor Edgar comes tonight, he's going to play some music for us. And, you know, I think it would just be really good if we just had an old-fashioned prayer meeting right here at Grace Point around the altars. And if we just come down and we just join in together and we just spend time praying for those loved ones, praying for those that God has laid on your heart. And if you can't kneel, there's seats down here you can sit in. But let's just get together and just join our hearts with the Lord and let's just let him come and work in and through us. And let's just pray that he will send a Holy Ghost revival to Grace Point so we can see God moving and working and drawing us closer to him. Because God wants all of you. Do you want all of him? Let's just come and pray tonight.